Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also <laughs> Raw Smackdown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. But Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review last night's Dynamite and the start, Michael Sidgwick, of a new era for AEW. A great show. Mm. Absolutely great. Um, on a total subjective, I'm a complete Kenny Omega Mark level. I was <laughs> almost wishing this wasn't on Wednesday, because I was just so happy and luxuriating in something for once. Like, honestly, like a sense of well being just descended over me because Big Match Kenny was back and I'm an absolute nerd for him. So I just kind of wanted to just ruminate in that a little bit, quite mm. honestly. But I'm almost completely alone in that. I admit, you never get the chance to register and appreciate anything anymore, just in life in general. Mm. So anxious, there's so much stuff. Um, so I don't know if I was in the, honestly, in the right mood for it. But it was an absolutely exceptional show. Um, might as well address the new look now because it's something we'll forget about as we go into the show, which, again, underscore great. The new look, uh, oh, I can't pretend I was blown away by it. Mm. I can't pretend that I thought it looked amazing, that it looked major league. It just looked a little bit like, in one central aspect, a WWE show. Yeah. The lighting was completely different. The way it was produced was completely different. It wasn't overtly glossy, but it didn't look distinctive to AEW either. It looked like something WWE would use, potentially. Um, I don't know. It looked like, my take on the set, as succinctly as I can manage, is it looked like a GIF or a video of the physical set, because <laughs> it was all LED video walls. Yeah. It didn't look garish. No. It didn't look cheap. It looked sleek and nice enough, if that is my generous take. I liked the lighting around the stage, those neon tubes. But when I saw the video of those really nifty neon tubes, where it's like, all right, it looks futuristic, but also physical. And it just looked like a video of what I imagined the actual set was going to look like, mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I was conflicted by all this because it opened and I went, uh, oh, like that. And then I went, well, hang on a second. It's, it's very adaptable. You can do lots of cool stuff with it, as we saw throughout the night. Yeah. Stuff, or I love the Samoa Joe eyes stuff that they did, for example, for his entrance in the main event. 
And I also was like, well, at the end of the day, and I know I did the piss take about the SmackDown fist and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, they're not going to make something. And I know the tunnels have gone, and obviously Cody's elevator is going to disappear naturally. At the end of the day, they've got to build something that is going to work in every arena that they go to from now on going yeah. forward. And it has to be easily transported and stuff. And you said yourself, the commentary area, I think, looks vastly better than what it used to. But at the same time, I was disappointed. But again, I, I don't know how you thought about it, Hamlet, because I was like, I don't know what I expected, but I was, I had higher expectations. That might be it for me. I think I think I had slightly higher expectations. I liked it. Um, visually, I liked it. But we just talked about this in the preview yesterday. Visually, I quite like WWE. Mm. The things you were just talking about there are the things that have been the stick-to-beat WWE sets with. The fact that it's adaptable, the fact that you can do cool things with the screen isn't typically enough. For fans, they would rather it be something solid or a set or something. Like, we've talked about this at length, like the original AEW pay-per-view sets, physical props. Mm. You know, like, it's not adaptable. A stack of poker chips is for double or nothing and double or nothing only. But you've got a storage closet or you've got big trucks and you can store them in there and bring them out around double or nothing season. The fact that WWE kind of homogenized all that was part of the problem. So AEW making something adaptable or homogenized, I don't think is going to go down that well with the base. Aesthetically... My one issue with it was there was loads more, but it didn't make the product look all that bigger. Like, I'm seeing this, like, we talked about this a bit with, uh, like, Murray, and I talked with Murray and Sidge over the virtual desk this morning about this. Like, I'm seeing people saying, oh, well, it's a bit WWE. Mm. I'm not really sure it is, truthfully. Like, I'd, I'm not terribly convinced that it did look more big time. For all of them screens, this didn't visibly feel that much bigger than the chandelier set. Mm. The commentary booth looked super slick. I love that corner of the set. Like, it cut to the booth and it just looked, there's something that looked cooler about it. I can't really explain it. I don't know if it was just, like, cleaner lines or something like that. I also thought that it was nice. So it was Jungle Boy was the one I could think of. There was a couple more, I think, where because of the new backstage area, like, it looks like he's cutting a promo from the set of Tron. Like, <laughs> rather than that curtain, which we kind of identified was something that needed to go because it was reflective of the constant interruptions. So that needed an overhaul anyway. Um... Actually, yeah, not wowed, truthfully. Uh, it's they've done. They've made a television decision more than a aesthetic and creative one. I think they've made a like a, a cost. WWE made that decision way back in two thousand eight when they first went HD, and there's nothing we've ever been able to really do about that. And I just think AEW have made that same one. I think this was less of a production one rather than a, a case of, look, this is just how it's done. Let's keep up with the Joneses rather than try and take something in like a bold and brash and brave new direction. So just to further clarify, you know when you saw the previews and you saw like all the the production footage of like Moxley in front of the lights and mm. stuff, I kind of understand on a pragmatic production um, logistics, that's what I'm looking for, yeah. logistics point of view, why you're not going to have a load of stagehands or production staff assemble in every single arena, every single week, all of those physically present props of the neon lighting tubes. Just get, just get Pillman Jr. to do it. <laughs> <laughs> He's already on elevation or whatever. Just get him to do it. Did you see, um, me and Cedric have already talked about this, did you see the thing, the brilliant um, Andrew Dice Clay shared on Twitter of the things that were being handed out in 1998 by WWE staffers outside like Nitro nice. and it was this it's brilliant I'll show you the tweet when we get back to our desk it's so pissy um, it's this like long list of things that WWE has got that WCW hasn't oh. and a few of them are really bitchy it's like steroids and drugs and all this sort of things like pretending that there's no issues within WWE and then there's like really odd ones like uh, good bookkeeping skills 
Like, you know, like <laughs> true. solid financials, which was true. Yeah. But like, again, like not the sort of thing, like, again, it just sort of feels like uh, we, as fans, we don't have to say, like, yeah, practical set construction, AW, tick. Mm. Like, that's not really a thing we have to be asked about, but it's something that they have elected to go with. Mm. I guess, like, not to say that the old one was impractical. They were obviously used to carting it around, but I, it was, it was maybe oversold. Like maybe I, I don't know how Tony Khan says new set get excited without lying about it a little mm. bit. Like unless it's going to be a new set, he, he can't be like, yeah, we're getting rid of that old one. We're just going with screens. Like if he does that, people probably get a little bit miffed, and it's maybe a bit of a bad look. But it was presented as something to get excited about, and I think that maybe wasn't the case upon reveal. Yeah. Maybe you should have just done it. Yeah, but then I, it's not really a ratings thing of new. Yeah, yeah. If it had just been done, I think it would have been a. I don't, I don't think there would have been any sort of sense of expectation, and as a result, the conversation would have been less than what we're having. Maybe yet. people got attached sentimentally to that set and they realised, I don't really care about that much. That's ultimately it. I saw it and went, eh, it's all right. Yeah, exactly. Let's get on a show. Yeah, it was the same, and I was just like, well, you know, this, at the end of the day, the set isn't going to make a difference whether they do a million, two million viewers or whatever. It's what goes on in the ring, and thankfully... In terms of this show, it was it was great. Let's let's dive into it. In fact, because it started with that big new set, and then straight into uh, Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. I mean, Ricky Starks looks great in front of that set, but he looks great in front of a pile of trash on fire. To be honest, <laughs> so I don't really care. Uh, back and forth between Jericho and, and Starks, they're trying to show each other up. They're you know doing their poses and what have you. Uh, Jericho slaps Starks, and he fires up, and they fight on the outside. Um, they come back inside. Jericho takes over some clotheslines in the corner, shoves referee Aubrey. Something there. It's his thing in the winner. Yeah. Um, Jericho, mi- <laughs> Jericho misses a drop kick. Uh, both men up on the apron, and Jericho uh, hits a suplex to the floor. I think that's when we go to a break. When we come back, Starks fires back up. It's a, uh, a sit out. Uh, Liger bomb for a near fall. Jericho goes for a lion salt, but Starks gets the knees up. Starks goes for a moon salt, but misses and gets hit with a code breaker. Starks blocks the Judas effect. Jericho blocks the Rochambeau and uh, puts him in the walls of Jericho. And Starks is trying to get to the ropes and getting pulled back, trying to get to the ropes and getting pulled back. And then I think on the third attempt, he's getting to the ropes. Um, I think it was Cool Han Ange takes the ref and uh, Daddy Magic nails Starks with the baseball bat. And he thought, well, he's out. Uh, and the referee's going to think he's just passed out from the from the submission. Refere- referee does the arm drop. I'm conflicted by this because on, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, do more like MMA style, right? I've checked you and you're out, and that's that. But the the uh, pageantry yeah. of the arm drop is something that always gets me. So drops the arm twice, Starks, no, third attempt, he's still there. Uh, reverses inside cradle. Uh, that gets a near fall. Uh, swinging DDT off the ropes. Again, Daddy Magic, Cool Hanans jump off on the apron, and it looks like he's going to deal with them and turn around, and Jericho's going to finish him off. But he knocks him off the apron uh, and then nails uh, Jericho with a spear. One, two, three. But immediately after that, the rest of the JS pile in and attack Starks. Action Andretti, face still partially burned, comes down with a chair to make the save. But uh, then TJ come in and uh, low-blow him. And uh, they beat the crap out of Starks and Andretti and set up a table and Hager powerbombs Starks through the apron. And I think he did his pose, which looked really surreal. JS <laughs> uh, stand tall at the end, but uh, another loss for Chris Jericho, Sige. Yeah, he's doing business. He's doing business. And of course, 
that it's going to be a rematch. And of course, they have to get their heat back. And that's just the way wrestling works. I thought this was red hot. This was, in fact, so hot. And this audience was so up for the first time ever, physically, watching Dynamite, that it almost there was an almost dissonance between the in-ring action and the volume, because I just think they weren't in the same rhythm as the match. They were just making noise to make noise. And then when they got them into the actual match, it just got even better. Whiteheart, I was watching Wrestle Kingdom, and even at its most formulaic, or, you know, bittersweet or outright bleak, New Japan's sense of presentation, which doesn't work on television, it's just so immaculate. Like that, the stillness of the camera, the ability to like luxuriate more in the space between moves. It's just a different beast to episodic mm. TV and episodic TV cannot really integrate some of that stuff onto it. It could try a little bit more for me, but I was worried like just Omega and Osprey, which was shot so beautifully. It was just produced so wonderfully that I was like, ah, oh, dynamite and TV wrestling looks almost chintzy compared to something <laughs> of that scale. And yet they managed TV wrestling and just reminded me within three minutes of why I fell in love with it all over again under the launch of Dynamite, because this was a great TV match and everything that comes with it. And usually when I see a suplex to the outside, sometimes I think you're just wanting to have a great match. And that's one of these um, tick boxes to get, what does a great wrestling match look like in 2023? And there's a tick box, and you've got, like, big moves on the apron, big moves off the apron, shot kick-out faces, X amount of near falls, and there's certain matches where you can see that checklist rather than feel the match. So when I saw the suplex to the outside, I was like, yeah, that was cool, it's fair. Kind of, I have seen enough of that kind of spot, especially on AEW TV, which can be excessive and homogenized. But then it all built to the Lion Tamer and the hand spot, and I thought, you guys are fantastic at this. That got me big, because they're not really consistent with the arm thing, especially with Danielson, mm. they'll just do it. So the fact that they broke a rule almost and then adhered to another one, that's the kind of thing that will get very, very tedious podcasters <laughs> all up in arms. Sometimes I'm one of them. On this occasion, I wasn't. I thought it worked perfectly. It was measured brilliantly. It was built towards brilliantly. And this match was just yet another indication that Chris Jericho's ageless. The missed dropkick, it looked like he was in the 90s. It yeah. was just he yeah. got himself up and down with a ridiculous pace. Uh, no, this is class. This was TV wrestling. Uh, almost its very best. Atmosphere helped enormously. Yeah, I love this in ways that like I struggled to articulate at first, and then I remembered it was my job, so I had to. I was, <laughs> just, I was just that engaged with it. I just found it such a perfect like confluence of great matchmaking, uh, committed booking. Like I know that there'll be maybe some criticism of the beatdown immediately after the fact, as if it undermined the result. It didn't. Like the result was booked with real conviction of a star elevating another star with a defeat, even if they're going to run it back and even if it's going to be under different circumstances. I felt the buzz and the vibe of the energy of a heel stable that have got a numbers advantage and the fact that there may be down the road baby faces that can help, or even if there's not, the idea is you have to take the heels out to level the playing field a little bit. And just as a match, I just thought this was utterly... Like, this wasn't the... Like, obviously, certainly not right now the best match of the year. But, it, you know, it won't win any match of the year awards or anything. But not all matches have to. This was a flawless execution of what this yeah. had to be. Like, it was just so concise, and yet it made the absolute best of Ricky Starks. And what? The absolute best of Chris Jericho and Ricky Starks at the same time. This is what... Like, this came up yesterday, oddly. But this was one of the big problems with Tony Khan's stinginess because you are assembling a roster full of combinations like mm. this and then not 
just unleashing them. This Over the last few months, he's really arrested that problem. Yeah, I, I think. think so, and I think it's been a big part of like I. We were talking about this before we came in to record. Dynamite has been on a bit of a roll lately, and I think this episode was a real celebration. A massive roll, I think. Like I thought this episode was like a real celebration of it. I, I love this best episode of the year for me. But the <laughs> atmosphere at the start, I think, what made that crowd as hot as they were, this felt like a pay-per-view opener more than a television yeah. one. And yet, so you've got that buzz, and then you're watching a match play out with TV pace, so you're kind of getting the best of both worlds in terms of how wrestling's presented. Just a, just a resounding success for everybody involved, and I thought the beatdown was executed really well. Like, thank God that the, like, the powerbomb wasn't botched, mm. or that Action Andretti is still getting this great reaction, and none of it felt fake or forced or that they had to get to. It felt all really earned and hot and you want the story to continue on. Really like the visual of just, you can only see Ricky Stocks' arm from underneath a broken yeah. pile of wood, yeah. basically. I thought that looked great. Uh, following that, uh, Tony Schiavone brings out Hangman Adam Page for his uh, medical update. Uh, and Page says, look, right now I am not medically cleared to compete. But... Doc said, look, as long as I don't get into a fight right now, basically, or this week, next week I'll be fine to, I think he said, knock Moxley's dick in the dirt. Great line. Um, that, of course. Uh, is that a line for the Breakfast Club? Possibly. Yeah. I think the uh, the principal <laughs> says that. Yeah. Um, that brings out Moxley, unsurprisingly, who... Uh, who says he's sick of the flowers, sympathy cards, and vigils? And then he said he was uh, sick of the flowers, sympathy cards, and vigils. Uh, and then he and then he said he was sick of the uh, flowers, sympathy cards, and vigils. And then that third time, the fans actually heard him after he said a few f words and go Seahawks, basically. Horrible, horrible. A proper lol WCW moment yeah. on the day they say. Production's getting tight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> tightening all that up, all those little niggly, weird, echoey issues and pacing stuff and chintzy things that we've been plagued with over the years. That's sleek now. We've got, <laughs> Mike, we've got Mike Mansory now. You can't even get the microphones to work. There's always been a bit of a lol WCW element to AEW. It's always been with sound, isn't it? Microphones and sound and stuff. And That's explosions. Where... Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, this was... It didn't help that it was he was repeating the same line, was it? it? Really he wanted didn't. to get that. I get that we wanted to get the line out. The worst thing is, on paper, some of these lines were great. I think by the end of the exchange, I had just about forgotten about this disaster. Um, but it's not as... I know they do on the road too, but it's not as if they create video packages on the pay-per-views uh, mm. before the matches where Moxley's probably in that WWE head of, I need the soundbite, I need the soundbite. This is the big, good line so we can... Revisited via via video package. They don't really do them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was just it was a shame to watch. Yeah, briefly Moxley going that WWE drilled talker mode because he he's the one guy. Kind of like Vigil was a great line. Well, he's still the one guy that I would want to be in that situation. Like, there's a lot of wrestlers that I would dread being hung out in a dry by this technical like fault. Uh, but it was just awkward. I didn't get back in. It was a fault big enough that I struggled to get back into the segment by mm. the end. And I've, for the most part, like really liked this program. It was like, I felt embarrassed for the pair of them. And like Moxie, like he's still funny. We were saying like, he, like it's big test moments, test if there's a pop there. It's like, uh, how about them Seahawks? Like just for the easy pops. He's still so witty and charming, but it, the damage was done mm. for the, the segment, I think for me by then. Yeah, it, it, I went off like that, but none of their fault, obviously. So did he. Like, yeah. There was like the three or four, I was like, what the? But then on? I immediately got back got, got back into the, I really want to chin you, both of them. I really want to chin you, but we both know if I do that, then we don't get to properly have it out. So I'm going fire next week then. Uh, Moxie says, why are you getting mad at me just for knocking you out? What was I supposed to do? And Paige is like, no, no, no. 
I'm not angry at you knocking me out. I've been knocked out by loads of people. My worst enemies and my best friends, he goes through a whole list and says, look, it's the fact that you called me out and made this into all some, some sort of joke. He says, look, you feel threatened. I know why you're doing this. And I've got two in the chamber for you. And I'm going to take my shot when we go to the forum next week. Uh, and Moxie said... What if that line will mean something? Mm. I don't know what it is, but two in the chamber... I just thought that was interesting. Hit with a t- double book shot, like um, one's not enough for you, you prick. Maybe you could. Is he close? Because the whole clothesline, the law of the clothesline between these two, yeah. Larry, I suppose more. Than, um, Marks, you said pages punk rat ass. Oh no, punk ass. Sorry, <laughs> that's just auto corrected. Uh, I think it's my NXT notes. Um, doesn't belong in the ring with him. Next week he'll make sure uh, Hangman Page doesn't get back up. Yeah, they had a great, great tete-a-tete on yeah. paper. But my God, it just felt so fake, which is all the more glaring when it's meant to be the real, mm. like, confrontation with a real, stemming from a very real issue. And to have these fake, like, almost like pseudo rehearsal elements to it was just completely undermined everything. Um, I, what a shame. I understand why I wanted to get that particular line out because it's the best possible version of Pity Party. Mm. Candlelight vigil, just the <laughs> mental. Like Moxley is so awesome at putting these like, like painting pictures for you in your mind with his words. Just the idea of Paige like oh, concussed with like actual candlelights and all these little nerd mate fans like me. Oh, I'm sorry, the sad eye emoji. That yeah, about just, what a line! No, was it worth delivering three times <laughs> <laughs> to make it feel completely fake? Nothing is. Uh, great video package for Joe and Darby Allen. Obviously, coming later on in the evening for the TNT Championship. Darby's going to pay the price in Joe's kingdom. See the little dead boy who could? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, 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 I'm going to say this now because I might forget it later. Well before he was even signed, I was adamant that Joe was the one. Don't do it. The roster's full. You're never going to get him at his best. Complete waste of time, in my opinion. Don't sign Joe. Glad to sign Joe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Finally at last. I was the same with the, the title switch. I was like, you've taken it off Wardlow. Really? And you've pinned Powerhouse Hobbs. And then on the news this morning, I was like, really happy Darby Allen, CNT champion. I think Joe's done a great job in the interim. Skipping ahead, I want Hobbs to be the one to take it off. Yep, I said exactly mm-hmm. same. I was like, Phil was saying on the news, oh, Darby Allen's, you know, great, but third, two-time TNT champion, I think. Two-time, no. Cardi, Cardi, Cody, uh, Sammy and him both held it, all held it three, two twice now, haven't they? Multiple times, yeah. yeah. So, great. He's going to do great Scorpio stuff. Sky has had it a couple of times oh, as well. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that bit. <laughs> Sorry, Scorpio. That's how Sammy got them all, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, we were like, yeah, some some more great TV defences, and then Powerhouse Hobbs murders him. So that's what he's been threatening to do in the, the book of Hobbs. Um, speaking of murder, tag team title match. Controversy came next. Uh, it was the acclaimed versus Jay Lethal and uh, someone. Um <laughs> Caster's rap included references to Andrew Tate saying that Karen Jarrett should say less, uh, compared her to Skip Bayless, uh, and dropped the name of Dixie Carr and said TNA stood for Total Nonstop Acclaimed. Good one this week. Very yeah, good. Great rap. Um, so uh, I think it was Bowen's... Yeah, it was Bowens and Jarrett started us off. Because Jarrett immediately went and swung for Caster on the apron. Caster comes in uh, and... Does his best Kurt Angle impression, basically. Uh, they hit the scissor timbers on Jay Lethal. Uh, Jarrett tries to get involved and eats one as well. Daddy Ass jumps in the ring and he does the, the strut into a scissor. 
Uh, Lethal slides outside and slaps Daddy Ass, who gets so pissed off that the referee, you're out of here. Um, I think we go to a break then. Um, the distraction allowed them to take over on the acclaimed. Eventually, when we come back, Caster makes the hot tag, cleans house. Uh, the baddies come back, though. Lethal puts the figure four on Bowens. And Satnam Singh throws Caster into the ring steps. <laughs> oh, uh, well, they're not the worst uh, ring no, steps, no. Tonight, I suppose. Um, and many referees and officials come out to get the giant out of there, which was going to play into the finish. Lethal injection attempt. Bowens blocks that, but Jarrett hits the stroke. Lethal makes the cover. Bowens puts his foot on the bottom rope, but before the referee notices that, Duck shoves it off. One, two, three. New tag team champions. Bit embarrassing this, because obviously I was so high on this result that I just went straight out afterwards. So I haven't seen the rest of the dynamite. So like because <laughs> you're gonna have to review this without any of my sort of insights because I just I just flicked straight off, went out on the drink, had a great night, toasted one. The Jeff Jarrett knew he could do it. Like chicken the bell, like Steve Austin did with the can. Austin wouldn't have liked this, but I did. Um no man, like what a... Uh, like, we'll get to the rest of it. Yes. Like, this was already great. Already absolutely fantastic. And then, obviously, it was about to kind of get even better, yeah. actually. I won't step on your dick for what happened during the celebrations. But they celebrate, and uh, uh, Aubrey slides in and goes, you do know that little prick shoved his foot off the ropes, don't you? And they do the whole, the referee, the officials have decided this match will be restarted. Uh, it happens straight away. Lethal rolls, rolls uh, Bowens up. But he's got his and he's got his feet on the ropes, and the referee hasn't seen it again. But Caster shoves them off. Bowens gets a roll up. One, two, three. The acclaimed are still tag team champions. What a bit of business this was. Uh, I'm in love with the acclaimed. I don't just love the acclaimed. I'm in yeah. love with the acclaimed. What an absolutely exceptional professional wrestling act. A total compliment to the variety on this show. It's so intoxicating watching them operate because they are so over. Um, they played this match perfectly. Where if this was just a really hard nosed like, gruff, intense, we hate each other for real brawl. It wouldn't have worked because you need the smoke and mirrors with Jeff Jarrett. You need the entertainment factor with the acclaimed. But this added heat, quasi-heat, whatever element was just folded in nicely without becoming the complete focus because then you detract from what these guys can do together. And what these guys can do together is pure shortcut, carny magic, body language. Just, this was so much fun. And like and probably dramatic with this bit. And they've done this twice. The action replay adjacent finish. They've done it twice to my recollection. Mm-hmm. One was at um All Out 2021 with the dusty finish with MGF Jericho when you thought Jericho had retired. And then tonight, always they'd created a reason, they'd established a reason to have the referee call present so that they can actually use their being physically present to say, no, 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 no. Like, they've got the authority, and they themselves have seen it, yeah. to then confer. I think that's a really cool device. Like, a really cool device, um, because otherwise you teeter into the grounds of, we'll just do action replay, then you yeah. assholes. Like, it's... Paul Turner tightening up the officials. Yeah, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, I, and I have to say as well, there's not a wrestler, alive or dead, better suited to the heel dusty finish of winning a title than Jeff Jarrett. People know him as the Gollum of the 2000s, <laughs> not named Triple H. Like, he is Gollum. Like, an absolute unsay- insatiable quest for gold and, like, just having it. I thought he was going to do the thing then. I got really excited, but I never realized people didn't like it. I loved it, the, the eating of, 
of Oh yeah, yeah, I'm not on, doing on that. Mic. I'm not doing that. We should launch a little separate like ASMR, ASMR. Yeah, yeah. thing for that. <laughs> because from day one, people who either doing it for memes, doing it for punchlines and likes, and then some people who really need to switch their heads on. Like Jarrett was never going to come in and win a title. But that was that's what he does. By <laughs> hook or by crook, he comes in and tries to own the place. The fact that Jeff Jarrett of all people held a title in AEW was like the prophecy's been fulfilled. <laughs> this company's being corrupted. He's the ultimate carny. Absolute television wrestling perfection, this entire bit of business. And they're doing a really fun party match on Friday. Yeah, on the back was of it. it. No, was no, no holds barred. Yeah. I cannot bloody wait for that. It's going to be great. And uh, well, I wanted to throw to you for the the thing you spotted in the monk store, the celebrations with with Jeff Jarrett as well. The, in the in the night, in the best possible way, this felt like a house show match, and I don't mean any disrespect by that in terms of just like, yeah. a, oh, this never happens on telly. But yeah. it was Satnam Singh dropped an f bomb as well, <laughs> and, I, and I heard it. Oh God! Like the the we did it banner that had unfilled in my house was still was still down when Jeff Jarrett sprinted to grab those belts because it's all part of it. It's all part of it. So you say, I've got it. I've actually got it. Like it's mine. You can't take it off me. And then as they tried to take it off him, he was trying to block Aubrey. This was so. No, 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 no. look over there. Yeah, like he was trying to because he knew he knew that like I've got to get this right now. We got to get out of here, otherwise like, I'm going to get this belt taken off me because he knew it was happening from the moment he grabbed the belt. Um, this was so. Thoughtful. This was a really excellent thing, delivered excellently. So you don't need, like, well, if you shouldn't do 50-50s or, like, the instant replay idea without putting this much thought into it every single time they have to. Yes. If Aubrey's not out there, then this match can't be restarted, so they have to have a reason for her to be out there. They've already established on this show that she's a hometown ref through the Jericho spot. So she's considered a hometown hero through something else earlier on the show. So that's how much thought goes into this spot making as much sense as possible when you're revisiting it so that you can understand why. There's so many, there's like six, seven reasons why this is as hot as it is in the moment. And all of them kind of deserve individual mm. praise. And I just thought it was so impressive that they went to the trouble of making it make all the sense it did for the heat that it generated in the building. And you can imagine at home, some people still think the unthinkable. But at this point, I don't want it to be considered the unthinkable because Jeff Jarrett's run has ruled. Like, it's time. This is just going to sound like bias coming from me. No, he's been incredible. Earnestly, I, really I think it. all of this has been absolutely tremendous. So the initial feeling of how has that red bastard got in and taken one of these titles will now be, well, because he's class, actually. And, like, he's absolutely... They're not going to win. But now he's presented himself as such a worthy figure and such a worthy potential champion that there's the drama for the rematch. Mm. The, battle, the last Battle of the Belts, no holds barred, but which they're not going to win. They, acclaim, they acclaimed it again. They're just captivating. They're completely magnetic as an act. They're the in-ring, working, new-age outlaws slash Enzo and Cass. I think if there was anyone else... They're better than either of those two That's teams. what I mean, but they're yeah. the working version of those two, and how fun were they, you know? I think if it was any other tag team, almost any other tag team in AEW, I'd be tempted to go, put them on Jarrett for a week. Because, go on. Yeah, well, yeah. But I keep doing the Lucha... Uh, Saurus Jungle Boy comparison with the acclaimed, right? As a baby facing, if that was empty, you'd have wanted Jarrett and Lethal to win all yes. day long. There wouldn't have been half the anxiety. Yeah. So it does, it has to be the acclaimed that this has worked so well with. Yeah. What? Well, this was just a magnificent slab of TV wrestling. Yet again, oh, another Lord. one. 
New era, AW. Jeff Jarrett's a champion. It's, I'm going to have a, like a single tear, not a Dominic type, but a real one. Like <laughs> coming down my face when, say, like in two, three years' time, there's going to be some lovely, like warm retrospective pieces where like Max Castro and Anthony Bones are sitting down and saying, like, man, Jarrett taught us how to work. Like they're going to have these like real warm <laughs> memories of the nights they shared in the ring with Jeff Jarrett, where yeah. like that all sort of thing, like, are oh, locked up. And then who was it? Was it an Eddie Guerrero or was CM Punk? CM Punk said that um, he used to think he was the absolute bollocks, the dog's bollocks. And then he locked up with Eddie Guerrero, locked up with him, and went, oh, God, I'm rubbish. <laughs> but, like, one of them, Bowens or Cass, is just going to say something, like, incredibly warm and nice about Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Like, that guy, he was working me over in the corner. He wasn't doing a goddamn thing, and people wanted to kill him, and just, like... I would never want to change the Steel Cage match at All Out 2021 for the world. It was my match of the year, right? But can you imagine 2021 Young Bucks versus 2022 slash 3 acclaimed? In a tag team match on pay per view oh. with both of those teams in respective heel and babyface form, yeah, it would be out of this world. The what has to be, we well, I think you were off when like me and Sidgwick were kind of like talking our way through to this. FTR finding the mojo back for the acclaimed rematch potentially at Revolution with all of it in the ether of like are FTR even going to be here? There's the drama of, the, of their rematch. Has to be that, doesn't it? It has to be either whether they're signing or not. The last yeah. bit of business they do actually, I put the young bucks over again. <laughs> <laughs> but that has to be the match because like, the drama for that will be out the air so if people think well yeah, honestly I'm not being funny like Dax does need to start really tempering his thing because the, the idea is he's going to go over the acclaimed in an all baby face match this act is just so over yeah. and I know FTR as well mm. are, but at this point every single week they just get more and more over this bond between them and the audience becomes so much less no, it's never been ironic since the turned face, but it's always been fun. It's getting yeah. deep now. It's magic. It's, it's getting real. very, very deep now. And I would honestly, if Dax Harwood is going to persist with this podcast and these little ellipses on Twitter, <laughs> when when they lost the titles to Bishamon, went, they were the better team or whatever. Top guys, comma, out, dot, dot, dot. I know what the ellipses is meant to mean. Like, you need, I think he needs to stop that. He's done this, that exact thing three times. Yeah. Every this, time they've lost a Every time they've lost a title. So the whole idea, whether it's in reality or whether it's a meta story beat, is that they want you to think that they are potentially heading to WWE, but they might resign. Who knows? I think they might need to knock that on the head if their triumph over this act in this form is going to scan as the right result. Speaking I think of the, 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 the threat of FTR going to WWE and they're not might salvage the whole thing, but yeah. Jesus Christ, everyone loves the acclaimed. Yeah. yeah. And, sp- and Jar- just a quick final word on Jarrett, because I was the same. I was like, what? Jeff Jarrett, when he <laughs> first showed up, and then they had the Sting thing, we were like, that's great. Now, please go backstage. And then this happened, and I was like, uh, not just tonight, um, or last night, but I mean, like, what's happened? And I'm like, I think he needs to be in the face of the revolution ladder match. <laughs> yes. Because he's the perfect, like, not him, not him. Jeff Jarrett's the best. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Been saying it for years, but no, I to listen. <laughs> uh, right. This was when we had the uh, good backstage interview promoting the uh, big women's match for next week. <laughs> the other one comes later. So, uh, Tony Schiavone chatting with Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker, uh, and they talk about, obviously, the upcoming match with Soraya and her mystery partner. Um, talk about them being... Ex- <laughs> <laughs> Halloween Havoc. AW Originals, they call themselves. Soraya just doesn't get it. They work their way up to the top. A load of bollocks from Britt. I work my way up. Um, but Soraya... Uh, well, no, they... Well, technically, she was floundering. I think they've done it again with this, like, the content of this promo. They did it with Britt Baker before uh, the singles match. And I think they've kind of done it again. It's like, yeah, we know that you're supposed to scan as cocky and arrogant, but 
It's true. She did, yeah. It's I, real, and we've lived through it with you. So it's hard for, like, just because your demeanor's a bit nonchalant, it doesn't mean that I don't know that what you're saying is a fact. Yeah. But just this, all this was completely, I thought this was really good in terms of what they were doing. And then completely undercut by what came like because she's there. They're going. You can't decide who your partner is. She got Tony Storm and bloody Hikaru Shida right there. Make a decision on your partner can be, but it's not going to matter because you may think it was your, you know, it was your house, Soraya. But now look at us, Jamie. This is Brit Baker talking. James the champ. I'm the boss. Told you she would wink in that camera. Uh, what, what is that? What was she referring to? Well, I didn't pick up what's what's the boss. <laughs> She's over the, uh, usually the when someone sets me up for that, I'm going, come. Because <laughs> that's like my subtext bit on Raw. Um, I think she's setting her Sasha up Banks. The, the money shot. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 I am very familiar with Mercedes, man. Who's this Sasha Banks? Oh, yeah, oh, the boss. She's the pillar, Brit's the killer. Perfect. Sasha's the, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, like, there's just loads more to say from the follow-up segment. Loads more to say. CEO is a great nickname. Yeah. It's the best thing about the act so far. Well, until Tony Khan morphs it into her having like a stable of people she's trying to recruit. Yes. CEO of Manet Enterprises. <laughs> the Manet family building. <laughs> <laughs> Manet family offers. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Uh, Jungle Boy Jack Berry's backstage in front of that good background now uh, and says uh, he never thought he'd have someone to watch his back again after everything he's been through. But he challenges Big Bill and Lee Moriarty to a match against Hook and himself. Next week. What show next week shaping up to It be? looks ridiculous. If they, and they will, like the, the Sasha thing, if it happens, will count as an angle for me. There's one, like, great promo on that show, and that will be, and those matches live up to those expectations, best television, and the audience is up for it, and there will be. It'll be the best television episode of all time. Did you, over Christmas? Not just wrestling. 
Did you see the hook and Big Bill face off? Oh my god! Oh my god! Like it was oh magic, genuinely magic. The attack, like Hook didn't back down from him. Big Bill is a hundred foot taller than Hook, and then he tries to lift him ever so briefly. Can't quite get him up, but at some point he's going to fling him over his head somehow. It, it's there was honestly magic with those two in the ring. So are you saying it's a bad time to release the ten boring wrestlers of twenty twenty two list with Hook on the? Thumbnail. 51 weeks of the year. I don't think it's horribly inaccurate, but it got, to, got just, good again by the end. Just to clarify, I filmed this about three weeks ago. <laughs> but it is, it's well worth it. out, dickhead. <laughs> the thing is, at the time, I was like, I've it's not been on telly for like two months. And then I've, I'm, I'm fairly certain I recorded it. Then the Wednesday following it, it was literally on yeah. telly. And then all this happened. And I'm like, that video's not on out yet. And I know Hook's in the thumbnail. <laughs> so I tried to cover it off in the comments until everyone's like, you're a dickhead. So Having seen bits of this video, like, gets my highest recommendation for people listening to this to go and watch it anyway, even if Hook's in it's it. Not boring. If, even if Hook's in it, you are too, Will Bond. So it gets a hard <laughs> recommendation from me. And a lot of the stuff, uh, hang on, wait a second. What am I doing? Aside from the Hook stuff. And I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? A lot of very accurate stuff <laughs> in that video. Uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> Brian Danielson versus Tony Nese and his tiny knees handicap match. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dickhead. Yeah. Very good. Very bad. Uh, <laughs> Josh Woods, Mark Sterling out there, obviously, to run interference. That's what they immediately do. Sterling takes the ref. Woods trips up Danielson. Knees hits him with a uh, running niece uh, for a two count. And then starts chopping Danielson. He goes, oh, are we having a fight then? Fair enough. Wakes up. Corner kicks. Uh... Moonsault out the uh, moonsault out the corner, charging lariat. Um, Nice gets a bit more offense in, but misses a charging knee. Danielson hits the Busaiku knee, and he's dead. But he still does the stomping on the head, regal stretch, and uh, that's that's it. Let's talk about the match, then we'll talk about the post match promo in a second. Uh, It's twenty fourteen all over again, and that's not just his home city as well. Last week, like people have wanted to really get behind Brian Danielson as a babyface. They've really wanted to, like, I love the technical sadist, and people love him as well. Mm. People want this version, I think. Like, people want this version. And I, at first, questioned the wisdom of going so short with a opponent of um, Nisa's caliber. It was an absolutely amazing squash match, so I didn't really care because it was an absolute annihilation. I did question the wisdom of why wouldn't you do a nice 15-minute with Danielson in Seattle when he just got a guaranteed given... The atmosphere you were always going to get and the level of Danielson who can work anything less than four stars for Danielson's a monumental disappointment. You had a four and a half star flaw for what they could have done here. But ultimately, combined with the post-match, I think they struck yeah. it perfectly and I'll elaborate on that imminently. Yeah, the Seattle ticket buying public got all the Danielson they would have wanted and they'd have feel like they'd had a great night with that character. Did and there's s- another hometown hero later for yeah. one of that sort no, of Oh, yeah, of course. Did you see online, um, Aubrey was in the crowd when Brian retired? Yes. And that like was one of the people hugging him and he was everyone was crying and all that and then she was there, like stationed as a referee for it. That was pretty cool. Um, not a lot to say about the match, but Brian is just this... Parent- I, I kind of... I'm the first one to call for the fact that like I think some of his booking should have been better in AW, but then I do understand why he's this perennial challenger figure because he's perfect at it. He's, he was doing this as a heel against uh, Hangman Page yeah. this time last year, and that was class two. He's, he's, he's perfect. He's the first. If you were, I, I know you'd probably pick Kenny Omega, Sage. If you were going to start a wrestling company, like Brian presents you with some of the boring reasons as well as the exciting ones why he'd be like the first name on the team sheet. There's not really a thing he can't do. No, he's one of the best ever. 
Uh, so post-match, he gets on the mic and says, great to be back home. I'm feeling a bit froggy. Let's have another fight. MGF, get your ass out here. Uh, MGF walks out and calls him brain damaged. Brian and a mark. He says, I'm not fighting you, obviously, dickhead. Um, I'm a, you know, I get my checks regardless. I'm a special attraction. I don't wrestle um, because I don't have to, basically. Uh, he said, if Lance Storm and Dean Malenko had a child, he'd be more charismatic than you. Good little retort from Lance Storm on his Twitter. Go and check that out. Um, and he said, look, I know people talk about goat, you being a goat, and that's, but that's just because you look like one. Did your mom shag a goat, basically? I'm summarising it. Did your mom shag a goat in 1981? Uh, and Danielson said, well, your mom shagged everyone in here. Or the, the, the amount of people similar. They, they did your mom stuff. Your mom shags goats. Your mom shags everyone, basically. Um, MJF said... Uh, You'll take a lot, yeah. <laughs> MJF said the tart around his waist uh, makes him the best in the world. Uh, and he slags off all the people who say, oh, you know, people. the only people who say you're the best in the world, Brian Danielson, are people who've never wrestled. Whereas the real... Well, in what sort of... It's been here! Those sort of people who have been in it, who know this stuff, appreciate MJF. He's talking about the big three, baby. Disco Inferno, <laughs> Eric Bischoff, and his biggest supporter, Jim Cornette. <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing. Danielson says... <sighs> Uh, gentlemen, it's time to fight. Uh, he says it's. Uh, he hates MJF. Starts to go after him. MJF runs away. That's when we get to the nice little commentary position because I was quite scared earlier on that. Where have you put the poor lads? <laughs> Why have you just shoved them off? You see that because he runs away and Tony Schiavone's like, let me let me at him, but he's scrappy do now all of a sudden. Um, but MJF says, look, right, you want a title shot? Um, you know, you're gonna have to become number one contender. And I've had a word with Tony Khan. He says if you win every single week. From now until February 8th, you've got to get yourself a title shot, a revolution in March. Uh, how about that? And Danielson says, uh, no, I'll just wrestle when I want to, and whenever I earn the shot, I'll have it, basically. And MGF says, right, well, no, you don't run this company. EVPs at Tony Khan don't run this company. I do. He says, look, you'll, you'll do what I say, basically. Uh, and Danielson says, all right, well, I'll tell you what, I'll agree to your terms, you know, because MGF's saying, like, well, I'm not going to make you, you know, I'll jump through ridiculous hoops. You just got to win every week. Um, I'll agree to that if you let me pick the stipulation for the match at Revolution. MJF's like, whatever. I'll just cheat in front of the ref. Danielson says, well, it's going to be a 60 minute Iron Man match. Huge pep, obviously. And he says, I'm going to run through everyone you put in front of me, MJF, and I'm going to expose you for the fraud you are in an Iron Man match. Oh, bloody hell. Bloody hell. That match should be absolutely tasty. I saw a little bit of criticism online with all the Yamam jokes and stuff like that, where a few people thought it was a bit light to the fact that it was a main event storyline in almost WWE adjacent. Is it your first wrestling program? <laughs> Do you think they are going to be doing Yamam jokes on like the go home show? No, it will be incredibly serious business by that point, but you have to very organically with a long term goal build up the tension to that point. Otherwise, it just feels like a Triple H program in NXT. And it's a bit much and a bit bloody much. So, yes, I will excuse the jokes because half of them were pretty sensational. When they did the camera shot to Danielson, I was like, he actually does look a lot like a goat. He did. <laughs> that you know that famous MJF at Fighter Fest 2019 when he goes, I used to love video games. I lost my virginity. 
and then it cuts to that guy. Mm. But you know what? I reckon that guy had a bloody good bone structure and was quite a handsome <laughs> young man, <laughs> but it was just the expression was perfect because he was like, he kind of had, it was written all over his face that like he never got his dick wet. When the camera panned to Danielson, after the goat, he could not have looked more like a goat. <laughs> the, you know, the cornet stuff was great because imagine if cornet just starts, and I would never listen, but you know, if you imagine he starts souring on MGF or conflating him with Disco Inferno. It's like, well, you're the ultimate bad faith actor then. <laughs> so that was great. He knows exactly who hates him, who hates those three people as well. He wants to be considered, like, amongst them. He's just excellent at this. He's absolutely excellent. And, yeah, Danielson's retort was a bit... When I said that, the 2013-2014 Daniel Bryan is kind of returning in AEW in 2023... There's a lot of stuff that comes with it that people have glossed over, like some WWE material. Um, but ultimately, the prospect of an Iron Man match oh. with MGF, given exactly what we know about his character and the fact that he's going to have to become... He's going to have to embody the world champion at some point because you can't do cheap heat. You have to wrestle as mm. one. But you get the best of both worlds with that stipulation, I think. Yeah, you already mentally picture him, right? Danielson takes the lead. MGF... Gets himself disqualified, but as a result of that, comes back. Like, oh, I'll take one to get two in submissions or, you know, pinfalls or whatever. And then realises, oh, I'm actually going to have to wrestle for another half hour out here. It's going to be so exciting. I think MGF can make stalling so interesting in this match. What was it? Was it uh, the Hardys versus the Debar, where they just ran away for the last 60 seconds? Yeah, basically. ran down the clock. That was great. And just a word on the your mum stuff. I think the way, the why, why it worked... It's because MJF started it, and he tried to be like, hey, hey, hey uh, cool guy. <laughs> Your mum's trying to go. Danielson didn't believe his own bollocks. No. Yeah. He was just saying it to get a rise out and of exa- it. That's exactly, he's like, <laughs> what happened in, in the 80s? Your mum's trying to go. You're just like, a goat? <laughs> just like a goat's cat? What's going on, guys? <laughs> and then and then Danielson goes, oh, well, well maybe your mum. Maybe your mum's trying someone. Went, Stop saying that about my mum. The perfect, like, that's how you'd present it. Yeah, uh, Brian didn't present himself as, like, when uh, Charlie Nicholas is struggling to get one over Jeff Stellan on Sky Sports, did he? There was none of that, like, stumbling and bumbling. Oh, maybe maybe your mum shagging for me on Animal. Because he said, driving back from the bar the other night, like, it was very much, I thought that was, I thought that was quite smart, because I thought that was Brian being like, look how easy it is for me to come down to your level, and I know you can't come up to yeah. one in yeah. a six-minute Ironman match. I'm, I'm, there's levels to this, and I've got this, like, I've got this down pat, this sports entertainment nonsense. I love the match. I think the six-minute Ironman match, again, like for all the reasons we talked about really, but what's cool is that we know MJF can. Like he went 40 with Punk on TV, another half an hour in the dog collar, whatever. Like this is going to be brilliant as a match. And yet you're going to be encouraged to think of, like is MJF going to try and go like, we love the lose one to win one. But how far is he going to push that? Is he going to try and go like 6-3 up or something? Diamond up, diamond ring, bang, DQ'd, two pin falls. Same again, all that kind of thing. The one criticism, and I even, this is like, I even like the first outcome of this. Brian is going to wrestle a bunch of people. That is feeling a little bit played. Like, MJF lines up the opponents. He's not, he's not picking the opponents, is he? Well, You're just saying you have to win. He's still stipulating that you have to wrestle matches before you get to me. Yeah. But, I'll, week one, a success. Like, straight away, they give me a graphic of, oh, I love it, actually. <laughs> However, as a creative vehicle... I don't know. I'm, I'm tiring of that a little bit. When MJF made his first live appearance as AEW World Champion, I'm not saying you're one of these marks. Obviously not. 
But he said that, oh, everyone wanted me to turn and be a hero. I'm not going to do that because I know that the second I did, you would turn on me because you're all very fickle. I know what you read. Mm. I, know what you, I know what you write online. I know what you say. Uh, MGF lines up loads of opponents for his challenges. And he went into the things that idiots on Squared Circle bury him for. And maybe, it's a bit tenuous this, maybe a bit generous, but the idea that he's doing it again Again, mm-hmm. it's just feeding the narrative of, of course, you are fickle dickheads it's, who are going to turn on me. It's an AW booking thing. Oh, like of course. Bri- we were just talking about Brian went through the Dark Order, didn't he? It's often a thing they just really like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the Anything that guarantees five weeks of d- Brian Danielson matches on AW done is kind of Look, fine by me. Yeah. This segment in and of itself was long, but I was engaged throughout. But I think it was cleverer for what it sought to achieve in that, look, the goal here is to get Brian Danielson as white-hot as a babyface as possible, with the idea being that slowly but surely people will forget that they ever wanted to cheer for MGF. This man is so great, he's getting his heat back. And this angle already is fantastic. You get Danielson match with Ethan Page. I think that was more successful than they could have wildly imagined. Then you get, right, hometown stuff. And now dream matches. People are going to be mad on Danielson after this Takeshita match. Like, oh, but guaranteed. Like, and the idea is... They are building a white hot baby face in Danielson when people thought that MGF was the next white hot baby face of the company. It's all leading to the ultimate goal of preserving MGF as the biggest final heel boss in the company. And people thought that was untenable between all out and full gear. So I think they deserve so much credit for that. Plus, it's still a month, just under a month between February 8th, he said, I think. I think so, yeah. And Revolution, which is, I think, March 5th. That was funny. So the, I'm so interested Mark, in this. But this all I thought immediately was Danielson has three, four, four, four some great matches. Takeshita obviously is the first one. And then February 8th, I'm just double check that's a dynamite. I'm 99 percent certain that's what he said. Uh he's in there with whoever and MJF just comes in and kicks him in the dick and goes, Well, lost. That's a good shout because that month gaps was conspicuous yeah. to me. Hmm. It would be him learning from the CM Punk story. Yeah, exactly. As well, which is quite nice. Uh, Sean Dean. Yes. <laughs> That's the same guy. <laughs> Sean Dean <laughs> with, a vi- with a victory over Brian. Uh, yeah, because earlier on, he can in earlier matches, he can try and help the person beat him and then just goes, right, well, route one. Yeah. Kick in the dick. Job done. Uh, video package for the Medal of the Bill, which we'll be previewing, of course, tomorrow. Sige, uh, Orange Cassidy defending the All-Atlantic Championship against Kip Sabian. And then it was time for Swerve versus AR Fox. Sorry, Swerve with Mogul Affiliates uh, with AR, against AR Fox. Parker Boudreaux and what was it they said? The Painted Face Man Henchman. I think it was what Taz called him at I one point. I think he called it Painted Face Man Jones. Because <laughs> he knows Jones at the end of stuff, doesn't he? Taz is the best. Um, and as you alluded to yesterday, Sige, Excalibur talked about the history of these two in Lucha Underground. Literally, as he said that, I think it was, Fox backflicks up the apron and swerves somersaults, somersaults off and they have a face-off. What a perfect timing that was. That was awesome. I forgot to praise MGF for one more thing, right? The guy is so hyper-literate about what wrestling fans think and how he can get his heat. The one that you just reign of terror... From the jump, immediately. That's his big overarching Mm. thing, right? But wrestling fans hate being told by veterans that they don't know about wrestling because they're not on the inside of it. Uh, Oh, well, you're not allowed to like your your steaks then? If you get a bad steak in a restaurant, you never cooked yourself. So so, (laughs) so if you get a bad steak, you're not allowed to say it's bad. Like wrestling fans really resent that, and he knows that. This match was really cool. Mm. This AR Fox versus uh, Strickland match. Um. Fox tries to skin the cat, and then this is where the 
painted face man Jones gets involved, uppercuts him on the floor, uh, and Swerve hits a pump kick off the apron to take us to commercial. When we come back, uh, mad stuff in the corner. Swerve tries to crotch Fox. Fox flips out into like a short cutter, iconoclasm, another cutter, 450 splash. I love AL Fox, man. He's so good. Uh, gets a near fall off that. Uh, and then in amongst all this, the painted face man Jones takes the ref. I still can't work out what Parker Boudreaux gave to Swerve, some sort of weapon, <laughs> who nails Fox with it in the corner. Um, it's a Death Valley driver off the second rope, and then the Swerve strong for the win, and uh, gets the victory. Swerve's working heel game is really strong. Like, in main event level stuff, he's it's just, he's got this, we've talked about it before, he's got this like quite strange and unique to him style, which is a real benefit, but it's odd in that it doesn't always mesh well with everybody. And if you're going to be this top heel and you're going to potentially be a world champion, which I think he's, like, everybody's touting. That's not like some sort of, like, hot take or hidden gem thing now. That's where we're at with Swerve. Um, it's always maybe been a little bit felt that, well, but it's too unique and it's too off-kilter and too weird. A lot of people struggle to get on his wavelength. Yeah. Because it's unique to himself. I think it's now insisting that people just do mm-hmm. because the matches are better for it. Mm-hmm. And if you're in there with Swerve, it's going to be something that people remember and it's going to be something that people talk about. So it's worth your time getting on that wavelength. Obviously, we knew already that AR Fox had no problem being one of those guys, but this was just a tremendous advert for that. I am so, so excited about the future of Swerve Strickland just in the way that he's wrestling, the way that he's elevated himself as a character. Um, it's like it's funny with MJF because it like he has shown MJF that there is a way to be a wholly authentic heel and get over as one in like in you know the modern era 2022 2023 but Swerve has find found a different one so maybe maybe it was easier and there just weren't enough people rising up to the challenge maybe there just weren't enough people braving what it was to be a heel because he's an entirely different heel to MJF and yet he's a completely captivating one I find him to be just such a thrilling presence. Like, he's that guy as well that at the moment is ignoring the fact that, like, there's a Keith Lee-sized monster <laughs> that is looming that will recover and will chase him out of the building when he finally gets... Like, the fact that he goes out there and no-sells that, because if you had Keith Lee coming for you, you wouldn't want to put yourself on television and put yourself in front of the, the bright lights. So, yeah, I just... I find him just a totally captivating presence. And mm. the more matches that... The more wrestlers that realise that it's worth getting on Swerve's level because he is just that person to watch. And AR Fox was one. This was, like, again, like, completely laid any criticisms I had of the matchmaking and, indeed, of this strange group, Mogul Affiliates, because they're, they're like, they've hitched the wagon to a proper, proper star in waiting. And just, like you said, a brave call to go, it's kill shot versus AR Fox yeah. sort of thing. And it worked. It worked. Um, it was never going to be as violent as that, but if you can build violence within the match, it's always going to get over. Like that Death Valley driver on the apron, I thought it was completely desensitized to apron spots. I thought it was desensitized to violence after Osprey Omega. <laughs> after it, not during it, Jesus Christ, I thought nothing was going to shock me on a level of pure violence. And then in two matches tonight, uh, last night, I got that. Yes, yeah, it's really cool. Um, I love the idea of two people just having this sh- like completely unique chemistry to themselves, like Nick Jackson and Phoenix, for example, like Swerve and AR Fox have got that with the way they sort of, even when they are in midair, hmm. it's like golden lovers except as nemeses when the way that they mm. sort of move in the same rhythm and it's all very flexing and like a peacock battle, if you like, and then it mutates into violence. This was just lovely, lovely stuff. And again, what you want to do with Swerve at this point is build him as a heel worthy of, he has to beat Keith Lee. Mm. And this is what another 
chapter and making that a more feasible prospect. Hell of a challenge for Dolby Allen, that, innit? That's a tasty match down the line. What's worth? Yeah, and as well, they've like worked together extensively before. In fact, so well that they've had a match on Rampage that was a bit disappointing mm. because it didn't live up to the legend that they have. The win for Darby Allen would really put Darby Allen over. It speaks Swerve, to where yeah. like Swerve's at as well. Uh, right then, Renee Paquette was backstage with Soraya, Tony Storm, and you. In uh, Soraya's <laughs> words, Kara <laughs> Shida. Uh, this is a disaster. She says, uh, "Soraya says I'm not surprised by what um, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayes have been saying. Look." Uh, Happy that you've been concerned about every week about who my partner's going to be. Look, I've been working with these girls. We've got the great women's roster. We've put on great matches. You know, Tony Storm and, and uh, Jamie Hayter and you and, and Jamie Hayter as well. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, I felt so sorry for Corey and all this. And she's like, well, I'm going to reveal my partner right now. I'm like, oh, here we go, money. <laughs> she went, <laughs> it's a free boat ride. I knew you were going to do that, man. Me and... Tony Storm. And Karashida sat there like, why am I here? And the other bit that made me laugh at this, because obviously it was like, it's not, is it? But anyway, was the bit where she went, by the way, Tony, I've got this great uh, great plan for the match. And then I was like, you do know you're mic'd up. You're just going <laughs> to reveal your whole plan to Britt Baker. And she went, I've got this great plan for the match. So basically, so that, so that we could have uh, Renee go, well, looks like a suck to be a Karashida today. <laughs> the cut to Renee's face for the reaction was comedic. Yeah. Like, it went to Renee, huh? and back to them, and back to Renee. Like, there's like, you've put that in. You've put her, like, incredulous. Huh? The lead up and build to an expert, totally creative viral marketing campaign ahead of the first dance unified the AW fan base in hope and expectation. You know, you know what's happening, and I just can't wait for it to arrive. Sold the building yeah. out. Sold the building <laughs> out. This isn't selling a building out, this. This is really bad in comparison, and I think it's a fair comparison to make because the two things are similar. You've got the biggest male free agent in wrestling, yeah. and he's coming at the first dance. You now have the biggest female free agent in all of wrestling, and it's incredibly convoluted, and the audience doesn't know who's going to turn heel. Um, yeah, f- effectively relegating more than one women in the division that you're trying to build with the addition of Mercedes. Manet. And I just think the whole thing is so convoluted and too convoluted for its own good. But it's my mistake because it's illegal on Twitter to criticize anything to do with Mercedes. Manet. I love Sasha Banks, God damn it. Yeah. I had yeah. Sasha Banks theme tune in my head for six months after Brooklyn 2015. <laughs> It was on my Spotify commute to my old job every single day. I'm not saying she's bad. I am saying that this across both AEW and, well, if it's even happening, it kind of is. They would have never said boss. Um, I just think it's not been handled particularly well at all. The idea is keep it goddamn simple. Mm. You you can do all this booking later, realistically. Um, you want people to, you want that 1% of doubt, but you want people to know what's happening so you can get the rating okay and they just haven't done that route and it's all very convoluted when they did this segment in particular Sheeta total spare part might as well not be there what a dick move from Soraya completely justified to have her there heel. to have her there yeah okay yeah it's meant to be the justification in the heels head but I'm thinking yeah exactly yeah so my take was right well even if it's turning Tony Storm heel 
I don't want to have her relegated as ah Tony Storm, which is good, but that's not exciting. I don't want to think of her as a not exciting yeah. talent mm. when she's in her twenties. She's a very exciting talent. Uh, money years are ahead of her. I don't want to think of her. She's just been world champion through the parameters of this storyline. Whether she turns heel or stays face, whatever's going on, she already feels lesser than Mercedes Money. That is reality in terms of who's got the better, who's the more famous mm. big star. Don't tell us that in the context of your TV show. So that really annoyed me. And then when I expressed this thought on Twitter, people were like, oh, well, she does turn and heal. I'm like, what? No, she's totally justified here because when Soraya went, uh, it's going to be Tony Storm, yay! And they're having this celebration together and she just stood there. Like, what, what, like as you said, what am I doing here? I thought Soraya and Tony Storm looked like the two biggest dickheads. Yeah. Like, how rude... How utterly rude is this? Oh, Sheeta's going to turn heel and we're going to get dark Sheeta. It's like, no, it's going to be babyface Sheeta for me. She deserves to Kendall stick the pair of them. Yeah. What a couple of c**ts <laughs> sat there. That was really just really not yeah. cool behavior. Really not cool behavior. And uh, like you say, we don't know what we were talking about this in the office And everyone's before, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. About, about how, you know, you forget the most obvious name. I almost called Phil Andy on the news today. I forgot Will Ospreay's name initially when we were talking about Wrestle Kingdom yesterday, right? And it may have been completely fluke that she went, Tony Storm and, and uh, Britt Baker, or Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter, and you, and uh, <laughs> Jamie Hayter. I don't know whether that was deliberate or not. But it might be deliberate if, yeah. in fact, Sheeda is going to align with Baker and Hayter. Because a lot of people... Because they were putting her over as well. you know. Like, yeah, so it's going to be like... The thing is, you're meant to draw from this, I think, that there's going to be a Babyface Originals versus... XWWE, like, you know, yeah. component faction. And look, it's one of those where it's kind of good that they are envisaging, envisaging it as a division with a proper stable rivalry, which just hasn't really happened yet. And that's what the men get. And maybe you can get more than one freaking women's match on Dynamite. There'll be no excuse if when Mercedes oh. comes in, if they don't do more than Absolutely. one, it's ridiculous. They, like, it'd be embarrassing because she can obviously draw segments all by herself. Um, I just think this is the wrong way to go about it. Completely. Um, I just was baffled by this. Absolutely baffled. What was I wasn't so baffled because I know what's happening. I just don't think it's the right thing to do yet. Keep it simple. We've got a star coming in. Get excited. Like, I love my detailed, subtle, deft dovetailing AEW booking. I love it. There are certain times when you got a star of this magnitude. Just bring her in and let people luxuriate in the fact that she's coming in and fantasy book and create engagement and conversation of the right kind. I just think they've badly overthought this. Yeah, like this was what you've both just said. As wrestling fans, you're supposed to take Hikaru Shida as the heel, but we've just watched her be spurned really cruelly in a situation that if you put yourself there... After the match of her life in AEW so far. Yeah, you'd be raging with it. Timing terrible. Be raging with it too. So they've completely mishandled that. This is a borrow of one of my favorite, one of, in my opinion, one of the last great NXT stories Triple H was able to tell, which is Rhea Ripley picking Mia Yim over Dakota Kai for war games and Tegan Knox not standing up for a friend. And then suddenly Mia Yim is randomly attacked. That's where they're going. Sheed is going to attack Tony Storm, yeah. right, to take her out of the match, which is exactly what Dakota Kai did to set up the turn on... Uh, Tegan Knox on the night, right? So, like, I thought that was, like, a genuinely good bit of storytelling to make this point where, like, yes, I was I was left out and you should have fought for me. But Rhea Ripley had a perfectly good reason for picking me. And she's like, oh, she's really good in weapons matches. Why would I not pick for war games? They've done a bad job 
of stealing an NXT storyline, which is like almost something that never happens in like when Tony Khan borrows from that weird period of black and gold he quite enjoyed. He doesn't normally <laughs> do that. And more to that point, we were discussing this over the office this morning because we've all been trying to like wrap our heads around it a little bit. Let's say that happens mm-hmm. and Hikaru Shida um, attacks Tony Storm, but it's not known that it was Hikaru Shida. But oh, Tony Storm's like holding the knee, and Hikaru Shida's like, Well, I'll step in if you want. And then she like leaves Soraya high and dry, and that's like, the reveal of the turn, or she attacks her or something like that. Then uh, Mercedes Manet has to money her way out of television, having not been picked. <laughs> so she's just like, I'm here, Manet, <laughs> like, I'll do it. That kind of makes her a bit of a ditz and a, and a heel. He's mm. like, I'll save the day. Like, the, <laughs> like you're bringing her in as this person so obnoxious that she just happened to float into town. It's like, well, I guess I'll bloody do it then. <laughs> like, there's nobody else. Like, what a weird yeah. way for that character to appear on television. As a sort, she had to know that uh, either know that an attack was going to take place or just be the Mr. Burns Simpson alien just floating into town and be like, well, I've got my boots on, luckily, so let's go. That's so strange. Even if they've got this the right way around in terms of the babyface heel dynamic and they've realized, right, the Surreal thing's not worked, let's turn a heel. Like, that's the play because no one's going to really see her as a baby face. They haven't, and I don't think they will at this point. And Tony Storm, right, I might as well turn her as well if we're going to do this faction war. Even if they get the heels and the faces the right way around, it's still a bit not... It's still nowhere near the first dance. It's not, I don't pre- think it's not premium stuff, is it? I don't think they could approach the first dance. I don't think they can do that kind of thing on that scale again. But Jesus Christ, one, try. Yeah. Two, you've got a... WWE Homer in Sasha Banks, the biggest draw in that company over the last three or four years, and you can go and look at the television mm. metrics for this, not named Roman Reigns. This is a massive get in theory. Feels less like that after Wrestle Kingdom, but this is a massive get in theory. Like, that's the lead, and you're burying it with some really weird convoluted mm. book in here for me. It might, this is, like we're saying this now, like analyzing it, what we've just been shown. There'll I'm going to let it play out. There'll be people that, like, say this all goes down brilliantly next week and Dynamite goes off the air and there's Mercedes Monet and a huge pop and all this sort of stuff. It's not that this didn't matter along the way. It's just going to be people say, oh, let's see. Should have not, not worried so much. But I think you should. I think you should yeah. worry this was this played out quite poorly. Instead of rationalising the thing you got, like, use your imagination and think of how it could have been handled a bit mm, better. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the way I'm taking it anyway. Because um, you've missed, if, even if, as Hamlet says, sorry, it all comes off fabulously on the night. You've missed a week of people going crazy about the prospect of what's coming. And, and that only, week's valuable. It helps build interest, which can drives ratings. And the only week where they can truly say it's going to be her, because I, what I read today, they couldn't really do a lot while she's under WWE contract. Yeah. Well, it's not just that. I don't think they wanted to step on New Japan's dick. Mm. It was very obvious that it was happening. Yeah. Um, it was very obvious that it was happening. But still, if they were to say on January Second, on socials, like, oh, maybe it's going to... What time is it? Oh, is it Boston? Or oh, some yeah. bollocks tease. Then they're stepping on their business partner's dick by not letting them have it first. You can do it now. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it now. Uh, yeah. You'll find out when the time's right. Something. Really easy. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, Gun Club comes out uh, because it's time for... Uh, F trip. No, sorry. F T R I P. There's a tombstone on. I fucking love the Gun Club. Come out. They've white white shirt, black tie, very solemn. Um, May twenty seventh, twenty twenty to December twenty first, twenty twenty two. And they're paying tribute to F T R's legacy. Um, and 
and Colton says, uh, yeah, they held all the tag titles. I mean, not the AW ones, but all the tag titles. Uh, and, you know, they may have been F- seven-star FTR on their T-shirts, but they were ten stars in our hearts. And Austin says, uh, yeah, and then they lost all the belts, and we destroyed their ten-year legacy in ten minutes. <laughs> and they do the brilliant fake-out. FTR's music hits. Oh, my God, oh, my God. Ah, you thick twats. They're in J- New Japan. What are you, th- are you doing here? Uh and the guns call themselves the new living legends. Top guns out. I didn't need this on the show, if I'm being honest. I love this that. being on the show, and I was looking at the clock. Yes, that was an issue. Basically, Excalibur's voice didn't need this to be on the show either. <laughs> it all felt very, 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 like almost like, you know that hilarious rush of Excalibur just losing his complete momentum? <laughs> Don't need that. It's so amateur hour. It's so amateur hour. And the inclusion of this segment, I felt, just was not needed. They could have done this on Rampage. It was a bit of me thinking, have they caught the, the baddies match? I'm looking at the clock. It's like one thirty or something here. I think it's, it's not up to me to look at the clock. I shouldn't be doing yeah. that. Um, I should trust them to deliver the show as advertised because they've probably yes, earned it. Yeah. But I don't need to feel like it's very, very hurried. Mm. I did, but I did like the bit on commentary where... Someone, I think it was probably Taz who was siding with the heels, goes, very respectful this. <laughs> and I think it was Shivani went, respect, like that. Yeah, I love this. I honestly, like, absolutely. I, the In the gun, vacuum, I liked it. The guns have really, really surprised me. Um, I wish the match with FTR was better, though. Yeah. It was, this would have worked out a lot better if it was. It's, it remains to be seen if, as wrestlers, they can really be elevated to... But then I guess maybe like they can never be high status characters because the low status is what makes these jokes as fun as they are. But I, I really enjoyed this, and I think certainly as like as talkers, they kind of warrant the spot. The guns. There was a long period where you know, like when they were when the acclaimed thing had happened and they'd broken up. I was like, right, dummy you, dummy you forever. Like the kind of heel version of the Varsity Blondes or something like that. I do think they sort of warrant a spot. I, I don't know if maybe you just keep making the Jericho appreciation site as big as you like and have them be yet more people to run around following Chris Jericho and occasionally saying funny things, but they make me laugh. I just love the arsehole thing of like, Tony, can we have five minutes on the show tonight? We, you know, do know FTR on here? Oh, we know. Don't worry. <laughs> we got we got some little summer plan for them. Like, they wouldn't do this on a week where they knew FTR no. would be knocking, out, knocking about backstage. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, then it was time for the uh, baddies versus Sky Blue and Kiera Hogan, um, Jay Cargill and Red Velvet. Can they coexist? No. Um, <laughs> Cargill. Uh, uh, Does it matter? No. Cargill <laughs> comes in, beat after uh, uh, Red Velvet started it all off, uh, beats up uh, Sky Blue. Um, Sky Blue tags in Kiera Hogan. Who also gets battered by Jade Cargill, gets hit with the eye of the storm, and it looks like she's going to hit a finish. And then she goes, Actually, no, I'm going to go and have a pop at Red Velvet in the corner. Um, trash talks her a bit, pats her on the head, and the ref goes, Tag! And she's like, What? No, no, no. Red Velvet comes in, uh, swings, misses, Hogan counters. Looks like uh, Jade Cargill might actually get her first loss as a result of all this um, after Velvet got hit with a sliding corner drop kick. But. Red Velvet stumbles into a corner. Cargill comes in and takes out both Blue and Hogan with thrust kicks. Um, grabs Hogan, choke slams her, goes to the corner, and effectively he's like, well, I've squashed her for you. You might as well take it home for the baddies. And Red Velvet's like, I'm not doing that. Jumps down off the apron before Cargill can tag her. And you think, oh, my God, is she going to get rolled up? No. Uh, pump kick, one, two, three for the baddies. And there's a stare down between Red Velvet and uh, Jade Cargill. 
stupid. This was so stupid. And it was an example of one of the worst examples of one of my favorite things in wrestling. Dropping off the apron to refuse a tag. Just one of the all-time great bits. My favorite is Sid and Hulk Hogan from early night, night two, Saturday night's main event. But lots of people have different favorites. Hulk Hogan, you fat old idiot, <laughs> as he said on BK afterwards. Like, this was so stupid. Jade had the match completely in hand, and it only went to pieces when uh, Red Velvet tagged in. So then Red Velvet does the uh, 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 steps back thing. Good. <laughs> like, absolute arse backwards booking, and I think... I think maybe we're supposed to see Red Velvet as a babyface. Yeah. The babyface who kind of get a goddamn thing done and nearly loses the match and then turns on her partner. This was like, I get it. I get all the gears. I get the point. I get the perspective quality of the match. This is so stupid and it's as if they didn't even think about how stupid it would come across. I've been thinking this entire time due to the size differential <laughs> and the history that, oh, you know, Jade Cog, uh, Red Velvet's going to be the face here because that makes the most sense because... The fight from underneath to topple this total uh, monster of a character. That's just the way you tell the story. I'm thinking, is, am I meant to be thinking, yeah, a bit of a dick, Red Velvet, all along? Is she the heel? Because she did the heel thing here. I, I'm <laughs> These useless idiots I've surrounded myself with. About time I got rid of these useless idiots. Good story. Great end-to-end <laughs> end, great I story. promise <laughs> I'm not doing concern trolling. I'm not pretending to be stupid here. Um, to make a point, like the weirdest point. I'm not doing a <laughs> like a podcaster bit, even though I am a podcaster. My God, I don't know what I'm meant to feel. I feel nothing. Yeah. But if I was theoretically meant to feel something, I do not know what that something is. It's just the idea of like... The act, some of the action was good as well, so it was a bit of a shame. Like Red Velvet stepping mm. off and going like, <laughs> I got you. It's like, I, like, I was showing sympathy to Taggy. You nearly screwed it up a seconds ago. It's just so weird. But then like Jade Cargill, like, Tagged her in by tapping her on the head. Yeah. So that, all right. So, come on, yeah, yeah. Fire up, fire up. Show what you can do in there. Or just sulk. <laughs> I don't, uh, the baddies is the, the baddies storyline has been utterly abysmal. And I would like to say that I'm going to be glad to see the back of it, but I don't want to see the conclusion of it either. <laughs> it's honestly so bad. Yeah, I realize it's had to um, scramble because. Statlander was meant to dethrone Jade yes. Cargill, but this has no excuse. It's absolute trash. Uh, very quickly, before we get to the main event, then. It's time to play the game! What's the name of that game, Michael Cedric? The aim of the game. You have to underline, italicize yeah. it every single time. We want to pinpoint to the hour, minute, and second the first note of the first women's act who comes out to wrestle to underscore... Italicize M. Bolden, shine a harsh light on how glaring an issue the afterthought and how formulaic of a women's division this is. That's the aim of the game. The name of the game, which we lighten, but levity is required. It's a very depressing game that no one wants to win with a jingle when it goes like this. Well, this is Lady's Night, and I'm thinking, no, what a night. So I thought you said that. No. Don't know what you mean. What did he say? Cock stuff or something. No, did didn't uh, so yes, uh, shout out as always to uh, Adam Blair at Adam Wilson for for gathering all the uh, data. Thank you for this, um, Marcus Cedric. What were the times we uh, we went for yesterday? Don't know if it's ascending, or ascending, or descending <laughs> as it pertains to time. Oh, journey through the time. Michael Hamflet, one hour twenty minutes flat. A way off. Just like the top of his head. Wilborn, 
Yeah, because it's a square. Yeah. <laughs> Wilborn, one hour, 21 minutes, 22 seconds. Ooh, pretty close. Pretty close. Cedric, one hour, 25 minutes, 21 seconds. Uh, shout out, as again, to Adam Blair, Adam Wilson for one hour, 33 minutes, Oof. 31 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to win the game. I don't. It's a depressing game, but I am competitive, so... Okay. <laughs> I was get, honestly, I was Suck getting there. Cat. I was getting there, going, "What if this?" Because we, like you say, get our minute second, we get that right, or they just put two women's. Like, there's a real easy res- resolution yeah. to this game. Put two ma- women's matches on consistently, and we won't play it anymore. I don't know what's going to happen first. I have a feeling we're going to get the time right first, rather than to the sec- to the second to the hour minute and second, rather than them bothering to put two bloody women's matches on. Ridiculous. But yes, Michael Sidgwick, one and zero for the year. Write it down, Adam. <laughs> Write it down. Uh, main event time, TNT Championship, Darby Allen versus Samoa Joe. Uh, Darby Allen does his black and white film thing. Yep. And, I like uh, him. And, uh, Love the matches. Hugs, uh, hugs Nick Wayne, the uh, prodigy sat at ringside, who got a different greeting from Joe when he <laughs> came out. And they go straight into it. Allen dives out of the ring, twats uh, Joe with his skateboard, Hits an uh, alley off the stage onto Joe's back. I think it was anyway. I don't know. Um, it's been a while since I've played Tony Hawks. Uh, Darby Allen nips backstage, pulls out a giant ladder, and hits a somersault sent on off uh, off of that onto Joe on the ramp before the bell's rung. Obviously, tweaks his leg though in the process, and they get into the ring. Ding ding. Joe goes uh, right back outside and hits a slam on the steps onto a charging Allen. Was that on the top of the steps or the side of the steps, Sidge? Oh, no, it was on the uh, edge of the yeah. steps. Oh, my God. Um, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's great. <laughs> the, the, the moron's awesome. So Joe continues to beat Darby down. Uh, Darby sort of, out of desperation, grabs a rear naked choke. So Joe goes, well, I'll just jump backwards then. <laughs> All of his weight onto Darby Allen. I like the bit where he crossed his legs up and then hit a double knee breaker. Oh, God. Oh. It's like just a monster. Killed us. Idiot, great. <laughs> uh, then also hits a running sent on to the injured leg and puts him in a half crab. Um, Joe goes for the muscle buster. Darby Allen slides out, gets a roll up. Um, but Joe gets out of that and get counters with a rear naked choke. And Darby Allen has to put him in a pin attempt to get out of that one. Um, and then I think he's trying to suplex Joe or something. And Joe's desperately holding on to the corner buckle pad. He goes flying, go- the pad goes with him. Darby Allen tries a uh, sort of float over stunner, but Joe immediately pulls him into a rear naked choke again. Uh, and it looks like Darby Allen's failing. And then he fires up, sting, chest, pound, etc. cetera. Uh, runs Joe head, head first into the exposed corner uh, buckle pad thing. Code red, two, mu- two coffin drops, uh, and the one, two, three. Darby Allen is TNT champion again. Huge celebration, huge pap. Uh, and Sting, his dad, comes down to celebrate with him to close out Dynamite. Lovely finish, absolutely tremendous match yet again. Crowd response, oh my god, this is fantastic! Oh my god, yep. The like he finds so many really unique and cool but stupid, painful <laughs> ways of hurting himself. The edge of the steps, Jesus Christ! Like, I was with him there. It's like, how can he fight back from that? He gets it every single time. The metallic twerk from the post when he's just head, and that's his head, <laughs> his head. Hit it, and then the rest of his body kind of mm. went the other side. Like you know, when they get scorpioned, when they do like the uh, tope goes awry, uh. it's like that, but like around the ring post, it was, <laughs> it was awesome. The 
way that Samoa Joe just like ritually, bit by bit, just destroyed his body and his legs was just great. <laughs> it's like, are you a prawn man? Do you like eating a nice big Ooh, yeah. shelled prawn and garlic butter? Oh my oh. god, it's lovely. I would describe how Samoa Joe destroyed his body as where that I would eat a big <laughs> jumbo shelled prawn and garlic and butter. Because what yeah. I do, get a bit of flesh out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, and then you get that little bit with like the tail. Yeah, and I go, oh, the head's good as well. I eat the head. Yeah, you, you know, the, the wrong guy. I eat the head. I, I eat the head. I think it's nice and crispy and crunchy yeah. and taste of the sea. Mm-hmm. I honestly eat the head. I, I, and everyone goes, oh, I don't eat the head. I was like, why? Wow, your tea's good. I think it's a prawn sponsor for this. <laughs> and honestly, like, I just thought, right, okay, I'll, I'll kill his knees, his backs. Head, he was just like me in a prime, like, uh, dead little dead thing that I could just toy with, and I was om nom nom. And then oh. he fights back. My only issue, right? I know his head connected with the metal, but like, so that if they'd had an extra three minutes, it was always going to be special because of the atmosphere and the, just the disgusting job he did methodically with his little dead boy body. <laughs> it was always going to be great. I just think the comeback could have meant a little bit more had there been three fewer minutes of Tony Khan's, well, it's dynamite! <laughs> Everything's on the show! Yeah, I could have done with three more minutes to make it perfect, but it was always going to be iconic with the crowd reaction and this dynamic that they've established between the two. Yeah, there was a slight banana skin element to the layout, but not the execution, Yeah, I would say. Like, that's how maybe... It, I, I didn't think Joe was dead. Yeah, yeah. I, I, these have got such a special type of chemistry and it's like you <laughs> that you kind of sense there might be more Samojo Derby Allen matches to come. Um I could have done a jump scare if they had three more minutes. A yeah. jump scare, a kick out at one or something in the heat spot and mm-hmm. then come back. It's there's still more they can do, but like do you even want it for Derby Allen's sake? It's the crowd here. Um I'm not as bothered, I think. Probably, I can see it. I'm, you know, I'm watching. I'm hearing that there's no atmosphere in these WWE shows. I just think I'm as bothered. My esteemed colleague here, I hate it. I hate but, WWE. But, but here's the difference. Like, <laughs> yes, but yeah, here's yeah. here's the difference. Like this Derby Allen match, uh, and I dare say it would have been there even if it wasn't in a hometown. But the hometown obviously only helped emphasise that this is the difference between even how a some WWE main events will generate this level yeah. of noise, but. It, there's just no comparison between the two when you see the crowd operating at peak as they were here versus when they're operating like at peak on a WWE show. They, like this was a good example of the difference. I think it was legitimate, like babies in the air. When yeah, yeah. three furnace stuff, incredible stuff. Uh, right, well, let's hear your thoughts on AW Dynamite on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE, of course. Uh, watch that you can follow all through us. You can follow the brilliant Michael Hamlet on Twitter at Michael Hamlet. You can follow you at. M. Sitchwick. I'm joking, of course. Uh, you can follow me at Adam Wilmore. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, but for now, this has been the AW Dynamite Review. Uh, thanks to. I'm plotting my revenge. To Michael Ablett. To oh, Michael Sitchwick. Well. <laughs> Ginger. Uh, and thank you, as always, to Adam Blair at Adam Wilton for, for all the stuff with Ladies Night as well. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.